I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. Because how much have you had to really lean on feedback as a salon owner to get better with what you're doing as far as leading and, and growing through that process of running a salon. Talk, let's talk about some of maybe your screw ups through that process and how you've like, okay, I have to step back and I need to get this feedback and be able to, you know, grow my business. So talk to that fellow salon owner. And I agree with you, Jeremy, by the way, because winners want to help other people win too, true winners. And so that's why we asked you to be on this podcast. So thank you for being a part of this. Uh, so give, give advice on, on that portion on being a feedback. I like to call it a feedback champ. My, my family makes fun of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the most difficult and a bit humbling things um, as a leader. I think so many people think that you can't be wrong. You can't make mistakes. And I would imagine as a leader, you probably make the most mistakes um, and if not the most, they're the most highlighted, right? Like you've got yeah. so many people looking at you yeah. and usually they're the most, they're pointed out the most. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting when you say like being willing to take feedback, it's something that I offer to a lot of our stylists and things like that. Um, but then again, catch myself having to realize how important that is that I take their feedback. Um, hairdressing has changed. I've only been in the industry for 10 years, but even in that short amount of time, it's changed. Um, and the feedback that I'm getting, the feedback that I'm learning, that I'm trying to adapt to is, um, is what people want, um, how to get that to them and in a way that makes it worthwhile for them, right? There's so many challenges, um, so many different, not even challenges, but different ways and ideas um, of how to do salon, how to do hairdressing now. Um, and so you have to adapt. It's, it's so different. And that's where the challenges and that's where the majority of my feedback is, is I tell somebody, Oh, this is how we do it. And it's not. <laughs> and I'm reminded of that. And then I have to, I have to take a step back, which seems like is hard to do because, you know, you always want this forward momentum. Um, and it seems like sometimes you have to, I have to take a step back to identify, and to see it and, um, and then adapt and change. But I think it's probably most important that you, as a salon leader, a salon owner, um, that you're willing to take feedback and not too, too good or too big for it, you know? Yeah, it's so true. And I love that, it, you know, as I coach different salon owners or people that are part of our team is really helping them to be honest with themselves and it's okay to screw up, like screw up as much as possible. We call them failure parties, you know? And so sometimes I have to step back with our leaders and say, okay, every week we're going to have a failure party and I need you to share with me some failure so we can celebrate that because this is how you're going to grow. But there's, there's almost like this 
this block, right? This internal block. And, you know, maybe it's, it's something that happened trauma in their childhood, whatever that might be, because it, like you said, as a leader, the spotlight is on you. So the spotlight's on you from the time that you were born to where you are now. It's going to highlight every imperfection from the day that you were born till now. And that's what happens as a leader and especially a top level leader like yourself, Jeremy, as the owner. And so talk a little bit about that, because how do you how do you elicit to be super, super honest? You know, like, okay, I've got some blind spots here. I realize it. I need somebody to point those out to me and I'm ready to go to work on them. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to work on those blind spots. How have you navigated that yourself? Yeah, I think uh, kind of going the opposite way than identifying blind blind spots, just realizing that I am a blind spot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, kind of clearing off the different areas right and then um, but yeah there's so many moving parts that I there's so many things that I didn't even know I don't know Um, and so with that with the team I tried to be as upfront as possible I tried to be as understanding as possible Um, that's something that I learned a lot my brother has to constantly remind me is like seeing people as people before anything else um and how how I want to be treated is how they want to be treated for the most part um and so so yeah I don't that's so good then I think that I think is a blind spot of every leader and I've struggled with that as well and as I look back you know, just repeating that phrase, people are more important than the task. People are more. And and so I know like one of the biggest challenges for me as a leader, and I bet it is for you too, that you see something so much bigger and greater in people than they see in themselves, but they're not at that point of what you said earlier. If I can do it, if you can do it, I can do it. Most people aren't at that point. They're like, oh, heck no, Jeremy, like you're a God when it comes to hair and I'm not going to be anywhere close to you. They're thinking, they have all these fear, you know, of monsters in their head <laughs> through that process. So how do you, how do you work on that and, and talk to that salon owner, or that salon coach right now? How do you work on that to help people to embrace where they're at and you yourself embracing them and valuing them as people, like you said, because people are people, they're human beings, not human doings. How do you do that and navigate that as you coach them to that level that you actually see them at? Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's something that I'm constantly reminded of. My brother um, is really great at reminding me of this, um, kind of my own experience, and then this experience that I have with the staff. Um, When I first started doing hair, I couldn't, I didn't talk. Again, I can work hard, um, so I'd always keep moving, always keep busy, but I didn't know how to talk to people, Um, and so that, when I would have a conversation with someone, that was a victory. Um, a lot of times I it went right past it um, and I didn't think of it, but it was when I stopped, took a look back and realized that um, there's a great book called Face the Fear and Do It Anyways. And it talks about how you ha- you'll have this fear. If you do it, you're going to have the anxiety. You're going to have the same anxiety. You're going to have the same fear, but eventually you do it over and over and over and it dissolves or you don't do it and you always feel that anxiety. And so that's kind of where it was for me. And like, 
my biggest victories were selling a product. My biggest victories were having a conversation for more than two seconds, you know, all these little things. Um, and when I take a step back, because I have a pretty young, we have a pretty broad, we have, you know, people that just graduated up to people that have been doing hair. We have 11 stylists that have been doing hair for like 11 years. Um, and just seeing and trying to understand what their victories might be, you know? Um, the fact that they sold a product this week might be something that's been keeping them up for so long because it kept me up for so long when I was first starting, you know, um, whether they cut a bob that was like perfect for them, you know, all these little victories. I tend to try to see a big picture and want them to see the big picture, to be the big picture. And that's, that's probably been one of my biggest faults is defining their big picture <laughs> and trying to force it into my my big picture. And that's that's been my biggest fault so far, like my biggest stumbling block. Oh, it's all of ours because leaders see more and more and more before their yeah. people. That's why you're in the leadership position that you're in and that's why you chose it, you know, through, through that process. So I, I love where you're going with this. And I wanna talk about this because Sean and I in this course that we're training in, of course, you never graduate completely from it because there's always, you know, areas you need to work on. So the first month is foundation. The second month is on leadership and the third month is on communication. But I want to combine leadership and communication with you, Jeremy, because I think as we grow ourselves as leaders, and I, I want to talk about how you grow yourself as a leader, A, um, but B, I also want to talk about how do you communicate with your team? Like, let's, let's talk about practical tips that you have with your team. Do you do one-on-ones? Do you have set meetings? Like, what does that really look like? And walk us through that process so the salon owner that's listening right now can garner some ideas yeah so we do have set things so every, once a month we um the beginning of every month first Tuesday of every month we have our monthly meeting we go over kind of victories um successes housekeeping um all those different things um you know just to kind of keep everyone's finger on the pulse to kind of have an idea as we're doing as a team um, and then we do do one-to-ones. Um, we have a manager that kind of does the majority of those. I tend to step in and help with those when I have time, or if there's something bigger, if there's something, um, more pressing or more serious. Um, and, and I don't mean more serious, like job threatening or anything like that, but I try very, very hard to kind of um, feel the, like the underdog, um, in the salon, the ones that let a hair that if we had a redo that affects them, right? Like just kind of make sure that they know that's not a, <laughs> a job ending thing, you know, just like okay. making sure that they know that they're supported. And then also from there, I try to take it to the next level to understanding how I can help them. Right. I don't think anyone intentionally messes up a haircut I don't think anyone intentionally does something wrong um and so if we can identify that thing where the where the disconnect is I like to kind of be in control of that and kind of um, direct that um, as well as well as that we have our we educate every Tuesday um, every Tuesday morning at our salon and that's open to everyone it's not just for assistance um, or support. Um, it's something that we want to try to create 
a standard that if I'm gone, Susie Q can do my client's hair and feel and not feel mini disruption from that. So yeah. we, we focus on that. Um, Amazing. So every Tuesday every is Tuesday. education days. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, that's the same thing that we do in our salons as well. Obviously, you're an incredible leader. You have 11 stylists. I think one of the biggest uh, challenges that the salon owners are having even today, you know, as as we keep hearing, there's a labor shor- shortage you know, across the country, right? We keep hearing this, this message, right? Um, how have you been able to build 11 stylists? How do you grow your leadership personally through that process? And what's your hiring plan? What's your hiring process that you have? in your salon? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a challenging thing because not only do we need employer people, but we also have light, have to have licensed people. Right. Um, so I think it's almost like a double, a double challenge. Um, but how we've been doing it is the, the majority of our team right now is like a referral based team actually. Um, so two of the girls, they, they worked, they've been best friends since seventh grade. Um, the other one, there's another one that has went to the same school and reached out to her and connected that way. Um, a couple of the other two worked together a long time ago. So it's really this, I guess it is kind of a referral based team, which I don't think was the plan. Um, but I think it's something kind of a testament that what we're doing, we are trying to create an environment that's healthy and other people promote. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. I love that. And I agree. I think once you create that healthy environment, people will always want to navigate. And it's interesting because I talk a lot, Jeremy, about how, why is it that Starbucks and Chick-fil-A, I always use them as an example because I'm close near them, especially in the state of Florida. I, I shop at both of them. I'm at them every day, right? When I'm in Florida. And so, but they have like a waiting list of people that want to work for them. I probably couldn't even get a job if I tried to. <laughs> and yet we as hairstylists and hair salons don't have that waiting list, right? And so you're right. You have to create that healthy environment Interesting you should say that because the course that we teach is called the five strategies of a healthy business. And most people don't want to talk about these things. They want to talk about marketing ideas and they want to talk about tangible things. And so these are the untangibles, right, that most people don't talk about. And you kind of said earlier that you've got Dennis and you have Micah that are kind of helping you to develop systems, right? Most salons do not have systems in their company. They just have an idea of this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to behave. They don't have any written systems, anything written down. They don't continue to repeat it over and over and over. So talk to that salon owner right now that's saying, oh man, that's me. How do I get started? Yeah. um, Dennis always just tells us to write it down. So even if it looks crazy or is a sentence long, like that's how you start it. Um, And and another coach that I have, I don't know if you know, Andrew Carruthers, he's yes, just like, I and I need to have him on here. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, he's great. Mm-hmm. But one, one of the things when I was first opening up and I had these grand ideas and I had it all in my head and he, he asked me, he's like, does your stylist know they're supposed to fold the laundry? And I was like, yeah, of course. Duh. Like who doesn't <laughs> like, 
Do they know they're supposed to sweep the hair? Yeah, duh, of course, everyone does. And it do- they don't. Like, no. And so mm-hmm. with your system, with writing it down, just making it as crystal clear as you can is going to be the most important thing that you can do for yourself, but also for your team. Um, it's such an important part in coaching. Um, I have a client and she's, they're super young. They're probably like 30 years old, but they've created this pharmacy as client that's out here, start this pharmacy and they work um, on a panel with the rich dad, poor dad. And he, and she was telling me about all these things that he does and to create these systems. And that, that guy, one of his biggest things is car washes and he comes in and he lays down every single step. And if you're not meeting that, it's really easy to remove that and, and then to get someone in and to fall like, so you know exactly what it is. And so again, it's just getting that crystal clear expectation. Um, and that takes off so much stress from your team as well, right? Like I hate when I hear clients like, I don't know if I'm doing this right or if I'm doing good enough and this and this. And if they have an, uh, a thing that they can look at and refer to a career path, then that takes so much out of the mm. stress that's, we don't need any, we don't need help adding stress yeah. <laughs> in these, these days. These days, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. And, you know, these days I've actually, the, the transformation I've happened, Jeremy, and I want to hear the transformation that's happened with you. But for me, it's been to really expand my empathy towards people to really feel what they are feeling. And, you know, especially through the social unrest, through obviously the fear of the pandemic of COVID, the fear of getting it, contracting it. And, and through that process, I'm actually coaching someone right now whose husband passed away from it. And so just kind of watching her and how she's navigating. And it's really, really helped me to kind of see things in a different way that I've never saw them. So I, I truly believe it's helping me to become a better leader, a better coach. I like to call myself a life coach, you know, through the process, like you were saying, you have a manager that does the one-on-one. So that's me in our salons because my daughter is you because she's the hairstylist behind the chair and she does most of the education just like you. And, and I love that you have your family and I have my family. And, and so I think the moral of the story is get your family as part of your committee. <laughs> Through, I mean, what better people than to have your family working side by side with you through that process. So I, lo- I love that you said the career path, because I think really that's the number one reason why many stylists are leaving and opening up their own suites or, or salons, whatever it is, because we don't have a crystal clear career path. So how have you navigated that in your business, Jeremy, and uh, give advice to salon owners, what they could do to kind of shift their perspective? Yeah, I'm going to be completely, completely honest with you. This is something that we're working on um, implementing into the mm-hmm. uh, Salt Lake Salon. Um, Colorado Springs, we have a Colorado sister salon out in Colorado Springs and they have it all written down. They have this amazing thing going on. Um, and so when we first opened, it, it was just kind of those, that mentality, like we know what we're doing, we'll make it work. We'll talk about it. Um, and then people, it wasn't enough like to, to just have that. And so that's where we're, we're starting, we're implementing that and we're doing it slowly um, but again, it's just giving people an idea of where they fit in, um, why they should be at, or why they would want to be at a salon, 
um, yeah. rather than doing it themselves, things like that. Um, so again, we're, we're crystallizing it <laughs> as yeah. we speak. It's, and it's one of those things too, that's evolving um, because the, the, the stylus has evolved. The stylus has changed over the last 10 years as well, you know? Um, yeah. And so we're, we're, we're doing that. We're implementing it in, in the one, at the one bite at a time. I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. Thank you for joining us today. And if you loved this podcast, jump on over to our YouTube page to hear the full hour-long interview. You can find us at Next Level Salon leadership. So what is your hiring plan? Because that's the biggest pain point right now. Many salons, I've heard a, a number, and I don't know if it's correct, but I heard a number of as much as 33% of salons have shut down already wow. and because they can't find people to work in their shops or salons. What's your specific hiring plan and what advice do you give to salon owners right now on that? Um, two things. Number one, and I was just speaking about this um, actually last night. It's, it's kind of sad to say, or barbers and stylists get into this industry because they don't like rules. Yeah. We don't like boundaries. We don't like limits. We don't, you know, when we feel too enclosed, or we feel like we have to dot our I's, cross our T's, you know, at a high level, it becomes, it, it becomes work. Nobody yeah. gets in this industry because they want to work. You know what I mean? It's, it's a creative industry. I feel like it's one of the most personable industries, you know, our, you know, our world has ever seen. Um, and so as a salon owner or a business or a barbershop owner, I think that when you have this long list of do's and don'ts, it's a turnoff, you know, though, like I have a nice, a very nice aesthetic, you know, to my shop, but I allow them to be themselves. My hiring process looks simply like this. I can coach skill set. I can't coach character. Period. So if you want to be if you want to be a part of our team, you have to come in with a mindset of growth and development. Meaning, you never stop growing, you never stop being developed. Also, do not come to my shop. You will not be hired if it's what can you guys give me? Ask what you can give. You're a part of a team that is thriving, you're a part of a, a mission that is moving forward and you have to come with the approach like what do you have to offer when taught me this uh two years ago with them what's in it for me everybody wants to know what's in it for me right but the real question is what what do you what do you have to offer what do you have to give you know what i mean everybody has their hand out but with those same hands out put them to the plow and help move this mission move this you know movement forward um, and so I can coach your skill set. I don't care how good you are because I believe in myself that much to where I can take someone who's never picked up a pair of clippers into being great, into being excellent. That's my challenge. That's, you know, that's my, uh, what I get a rise out of, right? But character, I can't coach. 
integrity, I can't coach. That's what you have to have coming into Neighborhood Heroes Barbershop and Salon. Um, I ha you have to be trustworthy. You have to be a hard worker. You have to be dedicated and committed, not to what we have, but to what your vision and your purpose and what you, you know, what you're building for yourself. Otherwise, what we have is just secondary and you can care less about, you know, what we're building because you don't care about what you're building for yourself. And so I can, I can, I can coach, like I said, your skill set. I can make you a better barber. I can make you a better stylist. If not, I can find somebody who can make you better. Um, but I can't coach, you know, character. And and that's not my job. My job isn't to do what your what your mom should have done or what your grandparents should have done. My job is to make you a better professional. <laughs> exactly. They should have had a mom and grandmother raise them too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's my that's my you know my one two step. For them and I don't and I don't you know come in with this you know oh I've been doing this my entire life and I'm better than you I tell them listen I'm learning and growing too I'm going to make mistakes I'm human you know and I lead with that I lead with my flaws a lot of people don't do that you know I have this celebrity client and I'm you know very pinky up and I'm you know I'm no I don't lead like that way I let them see my flaws first I'm very forgetful you know what I mean you got you could tell me something you know, and the next minute I forget it. I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Charge it, charge it to my head, not my heart, you know, and I allow them to make mistakes. I'll give you an example. One of my um, uh, cosmetologists, she's very, she comes, she was very, she was trained very well. And so it, throughout the day, she's always cleaning, you know, she cleans our stations, just what she likes to do. And I, you know, I'll send her, you know, cash out or, you know, some money, just thank you. You know, I appreciate you keeping, you know, the shop, you know, nice and tidy, but she dropped my favorite pair of clippers and completely shattered them, broke them as she was cleaning, you know, my station. And, you know, I'm asking them like, you know, my clippers didn't look like this. All the teeth on the clippers are broken. I'm like, what happened? Nobody wanted to say anything. So now I have to go into like super boss mode. I'm like, okay, well, I'll check the cameras and then the truth will come out and whoever, you know. And so before I could do that, she pulled me aside. She was like, listen, I was, I did it. You know, I, I was, I'm so sorry. I said, listen, you know, we all make mistakes. Those clippers can be replaced. I appreciate the fact that you're taking the initiative into helping us keep this shop to a certain standard of looking appealing nice. So thank you. You know what I mean? Thank you for coming forward and letting me know it was you. So now I'm not, you know, going crazy. I'm not upset because they're broken. I'm upset because I didn't know who did it. But I lead that way. And I think a lot of people put the responsibility back on those that they're supposed to be leading as opposed to assuming responsibility and saying, look, I'm the leader of this ship. I'm the head of this business, I'm, it's going to start with me. And I try, I try so hard to lead with humility and my flaws so that they understand, look, we're human. We're, though I spent however many thousands of dollars to open this business, I care more about the individual behind the chair and your experience here than I do about, you know, a pair of clippers or, you know, a client who, an irate client who comes in, you know, just with all a list, a long list of demands and, you know, just whatever, so. That's my, that's the way I like to lead. And that's the way I've learned how to, you know, keep people, you know, at the shop thus far. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> keep the right people. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Because sometimes, yes. sometimes you hire someone and you don't realize until maybe even years later, it's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what happened here? And people right. do change, right? Too. They do. But, Absolutely. Um, you kind of dropped a bomb earlier and, and I want to um, end my last couple of questions with this um, is you said people want to see you do better, but not better than them. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Jordan, because Sean and I, our, the six months that we teach, we spent a whole month just on leadership. And mm -hmm. I think really hit that head right, the, the nail on the head so, so big 
that I think this is what the problem is. This is why there's salon walkouts. That's why I think I had two salon walkouts because I just was not the leader that I should wow. have been for mm -hmm. my team. And right. so as I, as I look forward with this, and I think this is so huge because one of the things that I've been doing, and I'd love to hear what you're doing, is really working with my team to see what is best for them. What's the next steps for them in their life? Not for me, right. but for them and truly leading them. So as you navigate this leadership thing, what advice do you want to give all salon owners across America? Um, people can sense what you really care about as a leader, where you place emphasis. You're not dealing with a bunch of robots. You're dealing with real human beings who go through real problems, who have real stresses, who have real financial struggles, who have, you know, a long list of their own problems. And I think that salon owners, barbershop owners worldwide should spend more time develop the, de developing the individual, letting them know you care beyond what they can produce for you. That's any business, you know, especially in corporate. It, letting them know that, look, I'm in the trenches with you. You know what I mean? And being relatable being, you know, getting, I'm not going to say stooping down to their level, but meeting them where they're at. We know you're successful, Sean. We know you're successful, Tina. I'm not there. I love a leader who doesn't speak to me from, from a vantage point of, like I said, this is what I know, you know, and I've, I've gone here and I know when clay ball and I know this one and I, you know, I'm going to get on your level and say, look, I too have struggled with this. This is how I did it. I'm going to meet you where you're at. What does that practically look like? I think it's more meaningful to let me take you out to eat. That was, I, I, I have to do this with three of my barbers now. Let me take you out to eat and let's talk from a real, real level. Now, the, the, the pros and cons of this is you spend so much time with people who really have no tie, no, no vested interest in your, uh, interest in your business and can cut ties and leave you the next day, right? But at the end of the day, what they can't be, what can't be said about your shop and their experience there was that you did not try to help them. That's what this is all about. If they're successful, you're successful. Your success is contingent upon how great you can, you know, develop and make them. If they surpass your skill set, great. Now they turn, you turn around and make them leads of, you know, a team. If they're growing with your company, if they're growing with your brand. They're never going to leave. What reason would they have to leave? It's the it's at the place where people start feeling like a number, and when they start feeling like, um, you know, uh, like they're not appreciated anymore. My mom is really big into um, making uh, gift baskets, and you know, she's really big into that, and she loves, loves, loves to come in and spoil my barber, spoil you know the the stylist, and just get them little gift baskets of candles and you know snacks and whatever. I'm like, great, mom, and so I got her. I have her on payroll. Now I got to make, I got to buy her, you know, take her out to eat or whatever, just so she continues <laughs> to do that. So my, my barbers and stylists feel appreciated. I think that is, that's so key. I think a lot of times because we are business people, we, we think about the bottom line a lot of the time that, which, which isn't an accurate measurement of growth in my personal opinion, I think, uh, uh, or, um, uh, 
uh, of success, I don't think that's the proper metrics you should use. I think the proper metrics that you should use is in, on an individual basis. How did you help this individual grow? I don't just fill my shop with people simply because I want to hit a number. I open my business knowing that I can pay this rent, I can pay this lease, I can pay these bills, even if it was just me in here. But the, the true superpower, Sean, is being able to mentor and develop people and take them from, you know, uh, ground zero to where you feel like they should be. And if they outgrow you, allow them to do that. If they, if they you know, surpass, you know, your business and they, you know, want to go on to another shop, allow them to do that, you know, send, send them, you know, best of wishes. But I think we, we, could, we collectively could do a better job of not making people feel like a number, not setting yourself on this pedestal because you are the owner, but really stooping down to where they're at, whether you do hair or you don't do hair, but you know, take them out, but let them know that you appreciate them. That should be a part of your budget as a business owner, an appreciation fee. You know what I mean? We're getting ready. I'm getting ready to take my barbers and stylists go-karting uh, simply one, because I'm very competitive and I just like to do it. And um, uh, the, bo the, the, the bottom two losers have to buy the first round of shots and, and, and food for everybody. <laughs> but uh, just to let them know, we appreciate them. And, you know, we're, we're excited that they're, you know, part of McCook & Co. or Neighborhood Heroes Barbershop.